This is TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein. Welcome. It's been a busy week in the automotive world, and here are some of the big stories we've been covering on TheDetroitBureau.com. Let's start with a look at some new products. Acura pulled the wraps off the 2022 RDX, which gets updated styling, improved handling, and lots more technology. Ford, meanwhile, used the first-ever motor Bella to reveal the complete makeover of its big expedition. The SUV also gets new styling, more technology, and introduces two new versions, the sporty Stealth and the rugged Expedition Timberline. With higher ground clearance and an upgraded suspension, Ford says it'll be ready to handle some serious off-roading. That's becoming a big thing with buyers in the U.S., and it explains why we saw several other off-road models debut this week, including the new Honda Passport Trailsport. Ford also teased the upcoming launch of an even more rugged Raptor version of the Bronco SUV. As for the next-generation Toyota Tundra, it also debuted at Motorbella and will be offered with a variety of different body styles, bed lengths, and powertrain options. That includes a hybrid that not only delivers Tundra's best fuel economy, but also the most power and towing capacity. As for Motorbella, it's a temporary substitute for the traditional Detroit Auto Show and takes place at the M1 racetrack 20 miles north of the Motor City. By moving outdoors, organizers hope to reduce pandemic concerns, but the show also gives showgoers a chance to drive some of the newest and hottest products they might want to buy. That is, of course, if they can find the vehicles they want at showrooms. The semiconductor shortage is far from under control. Jeep, for one, announced plans to cut production this past week, joining a long list of domestic and foreign rivals. Normally, automakers like to have at least a 60-day supply of vehicles at U.S. showrooms. For most models, that's down to less than 10 days' worth, and some products are completely out of stock. A new study by Alex Partners estimates the auto industry will lose $210 billion this year due to the chip shortage. That's double what the consultants forecast just back in May. General Motors announced plans to replace the batteries in over 60,000 Chevrolet Bolts due to the risk of fire. About a dozen of the EVs have caught fire so far, but there have been no reports of injuries or deaths. Finally, Tesla is coming under fire, even as it launches the next version of its full self-driving technology. Or make that because of the FSD system. Critics fear it will convince motorists they don't have to stay at the ready in case of an emergency. Tesla's autopilot system is now under federal scrutiny because of dozens of recent crashes. And those are the stories making headlines on TheDetroitBureau.com. Now for the week's top story, here's Joe Sesney. Thank you, Paul. After nearly two decades in an automaker with three different names, Mike Manley announced his departure from Stellantis to take over the top spot at retail giant AutoNation. The last CEO of Fiat Chrysler, Manley's got a history of following big personalities, most recently Carlos Tavares. The pair worked to merge FCA and PSA, and once the deal was done, it was Tavares who remained as the top executive. During Manley's brief tenure as FCA's chief executive, he accomplished a few things, perhaps most notably nudging the company towards electrification, a strategy his predecessor, the late Sergio Marchionne, minimized. In fact, Manley accomplished what Marchionne and his big personality couldn't, find a merger partner. Initially, it seemed a deal with Renault was coming, but the dissent from partner Nissan killed the deal, clearing the way for the ultimate formation of Stellantis. Before taking over for Marchionne, Manley built the Jeep brand into a global powerhouse. 
He even made Jeep a top-selling brand in Japan, one of the world's toughest markets. Now, as AutoNation's CEO, Manley replaces another big personality, Mike Jackson, who is known for being colorful and forthright. The fit is a good one for Manley, who has a gift for sales and marketing. He'll have the opportunity to take what is now the country's largest automotive retailer in new directions. That's this week's top story. Now let's go to Larry Prince, who has this week's review. Thanks, Joe. You know, the words bargain and jaguar are not words you're used to hearing in the same sentence. But that's changing thanks to the 2021 Jaguar XF. Its starting price of $43,995 is more than $7,100 lower than it was in 2020. That's also as much as $11,405 less than since European rivals as the BMW 5 Series, Mercedes-Benz E-Class, and the Audi A6, which feature 2-liter turbocharged 4-cylinder engines and automatic transmissions. So does the XF, with specs that closely mirror its German rivals. Its rear-wheel drive powertrain produces 246 horsepower, although the -the top-of-the-line P300 model is rated at 296 horsepower using the same engine. All-wheel drive is optional. But wait, it gets better. Jaguar not only slashed prices, the automaker also totally revised the XF's interior. It's now endowed with a contemporary British Elan that's sleek and minimalistic without being stark. Yes, you can get wood, but it will be open poor and possesses a feel that leaves little doubt to its legitimacy rather than being printed plastic. The rotating shifter, always a cause of frustration, has been replaced by a shift lever accented in cricket ball stitching. The centerpiece of the new cabin's decor is an 11.4-inch touchscreen, controlled by a new user interface with an editorial-like setup that makes it very easy to use. With the higher horsepower variants of the XF consigned to history and the interior significantly upgraded, Jaguar is clearly repositioning this car as more of a luxury GT rather than a mass-market hot-blooded sports sedan. This makes for a far more pleasant car, and one well worth considering in place of something German. That's this week's review, and now Mike Strong will look at what's coming in the week ahead. Mike? Thanks, Larry. In the afterglow of the first ever Motorbella, we'll carry on with more product-oriented news. Early in the week, we sit down with Greg Clark, Executive Vice President of Ineos Automotive. We'll get the latest about Grenadier, the company's bespoke four-wheel drive beast. Reminiscent of a classic Land Rover Defender, it's expected to hit the U.S. in 2023. He'll talk about the company's plans, including where it expects to set up its North American headquarters, what its dealership structure may look like, and perhaps a little more about the vehicle. Moving on from gas to electric, GM's hosting a virtual briefing about Brightdrop, its all-electric commercial vehicle subsidiary. In addition to the unknown announcement, CEO Travis Katz plans to offer a few updates about the progress of the new venture. A bit less of a surprise, but very important to the long-term financial success of Stellantis, is the global debut of the fifth-generation Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's slated to be unveiled September 29th at 9 a.m. Seen in pictures already, this will be the first chance for the public to hear the company talk about the Grand Cherokee in real detail, including the 4XE plug-in hybrid. Finally, the week ends with the first day of the new month, and in this case, that means several automakers will report new vehicle sales for September. With semiconductors still a massive problem, the totals are expected to be down compared to last year. Naturally, we'll have that and any other breaking news throughout the week. That's what's happening in the week ahead. Now let's go back to Larry Prince to find out more about this week in automotive history. Larry? Thanks, Mike. 
Time to take a road trip back into the self-propelled past with This Week in Automotive History. Having landed a $10 million government contract to produce Liberty V-12 aircraft engines, Henry Leland establishes the Lincoln Motor Company this week in 1917. After building more than 6,500 airplane motors, with parts produced by Ford, Cadillac, Packard, and others, Leland turns to car making with Lincoln's first automobile, the 1921 Model L, rolling off the assembly line in 1920. Twenty years later, in 1940, the American Bantam Car Company of Butler, Pennsylvania completes the first Jeep prototype, the Blitz Buggy, delivering it to the U.S. Army at Camp Holabird near Baltimore, Maryland. Fearing that Bantam could not fulfill the contract because the company is too small, the U.S. Army hands Bantam's technical drawings to Willys and Ford. Willys eventually wins the contract, with Ford building Willys Jeeps in their plants. Bantam, which had invented the vehicle, builds the Jeep's trailers. In 1948, motorcycle builder Suichiro Honda establishes the Honda Motor Company in Hamamatsu, Japan. In the 1960s, the company achieves worldwide fame for its motorcycles before turning to automobile production with the launch of the T360 in 1963 and the Civic a decade later. This week in 1974, General Motors postpones the release of the Chevrolet Monza Sports Coupe when GM kills its planned rotary engine due to mediocre fuel economy. When the Monza did appear the following year, it uses conventional GM engines. The rotary's demise also affected American Motors, which had planned to use it in their all-new Pacer, but had to resort to their own heavy and outdated power plants instead. And that's the road we've traveled this week in automotive history. For TheDetroitBureau.com, I'm Larry Prince. Thanks, Larry. And that's it for now. You've been listening to TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein.